May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning, and may the words from my mouth be what we all just need to hear today. I've titled my message this week, Moving Forward in Times Like These. This is a this is the week of our annual meeting after church this morning for those who are here in the sanctuary. And it's a time when we reflect back on last year, talk about how things went and what happened, and our plans for this year. So I thought it appropriate to talk about moving forward in times like these because these are times when you feel like you're standing still sometimes. How can we have a growing church in 2022? What will it take to make that happen this year? How can Zion and other churches retain the joy, the enthusiasm, and the excitement, or recapture it if we've lost it? There's a poem called Dachshund Dilemma. Now, all of you, I'm sure, know that dachshunds are, we, most of us call them wiener dogs. They're long bodies, short little legs. And this poem goes like this. There was a dachshund. Once so long, he hadn't any notion how long it took to notify his tale of his emotion. And so it happened while his eyes were filled with woe and sadness his little tail went wagging on because of previous gladness. This is a good description of many churches today. We're still wagging our tails, not because of what's going on in the church now, but because of what we remember from 30 or 40 or 50 years ago when the congregation was full of young families and when the church was filled, and how many times I've heard the story about the chairs being lined up in the aisle because there wasn't room. I'll bet I've heard that one a hundred times since I've been here. And so it happened, says the poem, while his eyes were filled with woe and sadness, his little tail went wagging on because of previous gladness. How do we deal with that? dachshund way of thinking? How do we renew a church who some think better days are over and are in the past? May I suggest three things that we need if a church is to move forward and to be healthy and to be the body of Christ that God calls us to be. If any of these three are missing, I believe we're in trouble. The first thing is the church must have a clear understanding of what we are about. When Jesus started his ministry, the first thing that he did was announce his mission. We read about it last week when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free the oppressed and to, the to announce the acceptable year of our Lord. From his baptism to his death, Jesus understood why he was here. He knew what his mission was. He knew why 
he was walking on the earth. Do we? Do we as individuals? Do we as a church? What is our purpose as a church? Someone named John W. Meister wrote it like this, and I think it's a good way of, of summing things up. It seems to me that the church in our generation suffers its most shocking lack of power from the failure of churches to define their reason for being. Then he told about a four-page church information form that his denomination would send out. In the first three pages, and this was for the leaders of the church to fill out so that the denomination would know what was going on about the, at the local churches. The first three pages were all statistical stuff, you know, attendance, offerings, how much we spend on missions, all that stuff. And our denomination does this, by the way. But then the last page asked the hard question. It said, question number one, what is the particular mission of your church? Hmm. Meister said that he sat in a lot of meetings with church councils and boards, and he never could get a really good answer to that question. He said, most don't even know that there is such a thing as a mission for a local church. When he pushed for an answer about the best he said he ever got was someone said that the mission was to minister to our people. He said, well, that's true, but that's also true of your local Elks Club. They do that too. What is the mission of Zion United Church of Christ? In Rachel Carson's book called The Sea Around Us, she describes the microscopic vegetable life in the ocean, which provides food for many of the small creatures in the ocean. She said that these little plants drift around thousands of miles, wherever the currents take them. Those plants are called plankton, which is a Greek word that means wandering or drifting. They just sort of drift around wherever the current takes them. Plankton might be a good way to describe the life of many churches today. They're wandering, they're drifting. What is our mission as a church? Why do we exist? From my studies of Jesus' ministry and of Jesus' teachings, I believe that we exist for two reasons. Now, there are other reasons, but these are the two major reasons in my mind. One is to love and glorify God above all else. No one above God. Two is to share that love with people so well and do such a good job of it that the world around us, our community, will begin to look a little bit more like the kingdom of God. There's a preacher that talks about the 2% rule. It's based on the findings of a sociologist and a teacher named Robert Bella. He wrote a book called Habits of the Heart. He was a sociologist at Princeton University, and he came to this conclusion. He said, we should not underestimate the significance of the small group of people who have a vision of a just and gentle world. The governing values of a whole culture have been changed 
when 2% of its people have a new vision and carry it out. Think of that. He's saying that all you need is a very small percentage of people and you can change an entire culture. I wonder if we realize the power that is at our disposal and the wonderful things that we, the church, together can accomplish. But first, we need to define our mission. Jesus called his followers salt. He called the kingdom leaven. Maybe he was saying that we should be having an impact, changing the flavor of our culture. A healthy church, first of all, understands its reason for being. The second thing is, a healthy church has a sense of unity, a sense of family. In Corinthians, Paul writes this, the body, talking about the church, is a unit. We could say, Zion United Church of Christ in Peru, Illinois, is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though it's, all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. The church at Corinth was made up of different people. Some were Jewish, some were Gentiles. Some had worshipped idols. Some were slaves, some were free. Paul knew that they could not serve God well together if they were broken up into little groups and kept separated. Same way with this church today and any church today. If we're going to be successful, we need unity. We need to think of ourselves as one family, one body. There's a story that comes out of the D-Day invasion of World War II. It involves our Army's 101st Airborne Division. Shortly after midnight on June 6th of 1944, soldiers of the 101st parachuted into the darkness of France. Their mission was to get back together, then secure the key bridges and crossroads for the soldiers who would land on the beaches later that morning. As often happens, things didn't go quite as planned. There was a heavy cloud cover that night, very poor visibility, and the planes had to scatter before they reached their drop zones, so the soldiers were dropped miles apart from one another all over the French countryside. So the division was very divided. In the early morning darkness and confusion, the commander of the 101st Airborne, General Maxwell Taylor, found himself all alone in the pitch black. After walking for a while in the direction he knew he should be going, he spotted another soldier coming through the darkness. It was one of his troops. And he was just as lost and scared as he was. The two were so overjoyed to find each other out there that they skipped the military protocol. Nobody saluted. They just hugged one another. He said at that moment, I knew we were going to be okay. When a general and a private understand that they are one, they are ready for battle. It's like a 97-year-old lady who says she learned the most important lesson in her life when she was a child. When she was a young girl, her and some of her friends decided to climb Mount Washington. They went too far, 
Before they knew it, it was late afternoon, and the fog had set in, and it was really thick. They couldn't see their hands in front of their faces, and they wondered how they were going to get back down this mountain. Nobody knew the way down, so they agreed that they would all hold hands and stay in line, and nobody, knowing the way down, they would not, under any circumstances, let go of the person's hand in front of and behind them. And so they inched their way down the mountain, one step at a time, all of them holding on to each other in this long chain. Not once did one of them let go. She said, sometimes all I could see was the hand ahead of me and the hand behind me. Sometimes when my arms hurt so bad, I thought I would cry out loud. But that's how we made it at last. We found our way home by holding on to one another. That's a good lesson for the church. We make it through life's difficult times, don't we, by holding on to one another. Even geese know that. Watch a large flock of Canadian geese in flight. I've read that if one goose gets sick or gets shot and falls out of formation, two more go with him. And they go down to the ground and follow it all the way to the ground. One of those two that follow are usually its mate because geese are very loyal mates and they mate for life. Once on the ground, the healthy birds then stand watch and do the best they can to protect that injured or sick goose until it either gets better or dies. And they'll even put themselves between a predator if they should come along and fight that predator to protect that wounded or sick bird. They stay with it until the end. And then, and only then, do they leave. And then they usually wait for another group to come over so that they can join them so that it will be efficient flying and safer flying. A healthy church understands its reason for being. A healthy church functions as a family, cares for one another. And finally, in a healthy church, each person knows that he or she is important and has a part. Paul tells us, all of you are Christ's body and each one is part of it. Some are the eye, some the ear, some the mouth, some are the feet. Paul calls the different gifts different parts of the body. Everyone has his or her role in the church to play. And no one is more important than anyone else. We read in the scriptures that Simon Peter was called the rock of the church. But there would have been no Simon Peter, no rock of the church, if there had been no humble Andrew who introduced Simon to Jesus. Some of you may never be a leader, but your life may touch the lives of others who become great leaders. Paul was a famous leader in the church. I wonder how effective Paul would have been if it weren't for Barnabas. You see, Barnabas had a gift of encouragement. And when Paul, who remember used to be the bad guy, Saul, 
when he claimed that God had turned him around and changed him, the disciples in Jerusalem refused to believe him. They thought he was lying. Maybe he's a spy. He wants to find out about us and where we stay and everything all about us so that he can come so that they can come and capture us and put us in prison or kill us. And you can understand why they would feel that way. He'd he'd treated them badly, horribly, for many years. Well, Saul went to the I'm sorry, Barnabas went to the leaders of the church with Saul and said, You can trust him. I'll vouch for him. I've seen him preach for Jesus. He's okay. And so they accepted Paul. I'm so grateful that there are people in this church family with the spirit of Andrew, that spirit of evangelism. And there are people in this church with the spirit of Barnabas, the spirit of encouragement and help. Each one of us has a gift that God can use in building the kingdom. This is the body. You are part of the body of the living God. We're all parts of it. I'm just one member. My role is no more important or no greater than any of yours. When each of us believes that we have a calling, we will see great things happen in our lives and great things happen in this church. In the great hymn, The Church's One Foundation, we sing that not even the gates of hell will prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? I do. In order to move forward in this day, during these times, or any times, our church must be healthy. Do we check the boxes? To be healthy and grow, we have to understand our reason for being. I think we're, we could work on that a little bit because things are changing. We could work a little bit on how we might minister in some different ways to the community and to each other. But we're, we're doing pretty well there. Secondly, we have to be a family caring for one another. That's never been a problem since I've been here. Since, we, since the second time we walked through these doors, we felt it and we knew that this was a family. And we knew that if we became a part of it, that we would be cared for too. And we have been faithfully and wonderfully by you all. And then thirdly, we have to understand each of us, that we're all important, and that we all have a part, and that with, with one part of the body not functioning correctly, there's trouble. And so you are an important part of the work here. If you're listening and you're part of a church somewhere else, you're an important part of that church. But we're all part of that big universal church. I think Zion is positioned to move right along in 2022. And I think we're going to be just fine. We've made it this far. And it hasn't always been an easy road to travel. But we've gotten there. We'll continue to do so in 2022. 
and beyond. And it's because we meet these areas that I talked about this morning. We are a church family. We take care of one another, and we're good at it. We take care of our community. We're good at it. It's all because God has given us the gifts, the people with the gifts. And I'm thankful for each and every one of you, and I look forward to another wonderful, hopefully a better year than the last couple in the sense of people's health and not having to have so much isolation and so forth. But better also in the sense that we all grow together and grow closer to one another and reach out and bring others in. Amen.